Hey guys, welcome back to the newest episode of the Pool Cleaner Hour. It's your host, Tinkerbuff. And for the next little bit, I'm going to be telling you about some random various topics that you may or may not have heard of. So just sit back and relax in your mind's pool to heat up or cool down. It's your pool, it's your choice. I'm just here to make it cozy. Today we'll be talking about the Great Stink of 1858. In July of 1858, in one of the most famously wealthy countries in the world, there was a river, a grand river named Thames, and it reeked of unholy shit. Black as pen ink, this onslaught of sewage and decay would cause fainting spells from just a whiff and would become infamous for all eternity. The Prime Minister, Benjamin Disraeli, in Parliament would refer to the river as a Stingian pool, reeking with ineffable and intolerable horrors. Stingian referring to the goddess and underworld river Styx in Greek mythology. So, how did this happen? Let's, let's dive in. <laughs> the population of the city doubled during the summer and along with the people came flushable toilets. Unfortunately, these toilets would lead directly to the river, and it would be one of the hottest summers the region has ever experienced. It would be a hotter summer than anyone could ever imagine would even be possible in Old England. With stretches of days reaching 90 to 95 degrees Fahrenheit, or uh, 30 degrees Celsius for my, like, two international followers, it was so hot that high court lawyers were even allowed to remove their powdered wigs, which was a big deal because they loved those wigs and those wigs hid their syphilis scars. So the sun's baking this river that is constantly being filled with daily gallons of piss and shit. British newspapers referred to the river stench as the Great Stink, with one article stating, Gentility of speech is at an end. It stinks. And whoso once inhales the stink can never forget it, and can count himself lucky if he lives to remember it. <laughs> so much of this guy is going to be me reading newspaper clippings because they are absurd. So, <laughs> how did we get here? Ten years prior, all right, going back ten years, the Metropolitan Sewer Act took sewage from London properties and just said, you know what, fuck it, let's dump it in Thames. So, uh, <laughs> this is the foundation for this whole completely avoidable, 100% man-made disaster. Before this, there was about 200,000 cesspools and homes and businesses in the city, uh, which a cesspool, if you don't know, they're basically large outhouses. Uh, the cesspools would then be emptied by night soil men <laughs> who took the excrement away in carts and sold it as fertilizer. However, the system wasn't monitored very well, and a lot of times it just wasn't done properly or even at all. A night soil collector was a necessary task of its age, but all the same was reserved for the lowest of the low, men who were unfathomably desperate for even some change to live off of. Night soil, of course, being the polite way to say human feces. Uh, before toilets, people usually had clothes stools or chamber pots to use at night, and then in the morning, these collectors <laughs> would come to dispose of the waste into their wooden carts on piles of other people's leavings. Sometimes they were called gold finders, since it was believed that gold could be found amongst the excrement of influential nobles. Uh, so the cesspools are shut down uh, <laughs> due to um, the yield miasma theory, 
This theory dates back to around the Black Plague, which basically meant if something smells bad, it means disease. And if you're smelling it, you're inhaling it, and you now have the disease. Which is why the whole Plague Doctor bird mask was a thing. Uh, they would actually take those bird masks, they would stuff the end, with, uh, the end of those beaks with flowers, herbs, and filters, so to speak, to stop the smells, which is kind of ingenious for its time, because as they believed, they, they thought the stench was truly deadly. And, and modern science has looked back and been like, that probably did actually help, just if anything, because the mask and the filter of not getting any droplets on them, similar to the masks that we wear today. Uh, naturally, as the river darkened, though, and the stench grew to <laughs> cosmic nightmare proportions, People grew terrified of this blackened, rotting river. But the big fear was that this smell would bring about another round of cholera. Between 1831 and 1854, three cholera epidemics hit the city, each killing thousands of Londoners. Now, people across the city believed that they could get cholera once more from the Great Stink. There was actually a famous doctor named Dr. John Snow who desperately pleadingly tried to educate people and he would say no it's not the smell guys it's the water it's not just the smell but nobody wanted to listen they said but we want to drink our own piss and shit water so now this new sewer system went from a cesspool of a few blocks needing to be emptied to making the entire river of thames into one colossal shit river and they packed it in for 10 years non-stop so now we're here on top of the obvious issues Londoners were taking the same water from the river back to their homes and businesses to wash with, reuse in their new fancy toilets, and to, yes, drink and cook with. Newspapers had a field day with cartoonish depictions of monsters in the water and the river spirit Father Thames. They would refer to the water from the river as Monster Soup. And though it wasn't the stink that was making everyone sick and die, they weren't wrong about the pestilence and bacteria. It wasn't just being turned into a sewer of human waste. It was also... <laughs> just a... Here we go, guys. Uh, people were tossing dead livestock in. There was a hospital waste that was emptied out. So, you know, like, runoff from people, bodies, anything that would be wasted in a hospital, they just dumped right in. Chemicals from factories that would make soap and tanneries. And even runoff from the slaughterhouses were being poured into this river. So a lot of blood, a lot of guts, a lot of just anything you can imagine. Just nonsense behavior. Since the river had a natural ebb and flow, which so sometimes it would rise, sometimes it would lower to pretty shallow depths, people just assumed that that must have meant it was tidal. So surely it was washing the waste away, even though they would see the same animal carcasses rotting away in real time in the same spots, and sometimes they even found human bodies. Famous author Charles Dickens and renowned scientist of the time, Michael Faraday, both consistently told government officials years before and during that this was a huge problem, but they were ignored because government officials. They've always been idiots. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Newspapers blamed government officials justifiably, often called them out on their lazy and inept bullshit. The Times of London called the Thames a pestiferous and typhus breeding abomination. The Illustrated London News stated, We can colonize the remotest ends of the earth. We can conquer India. We can pay interest of the most enormous debt ever contracted. We can spread our name and our fame and our fructifying wealth to every part of the world, but we cannot clean the River Thames. 
Shops across the city, naturally, used this horror as an opportunity, and flimflam men clicked their heels with excitement. They began selling scented handkerchiefs that proved completely futile when against the mighty demon stench of Thames. But for more money, one could buy a fancy scent box, which many wealthy ladies carried around with them. The men, however, would just breathe in their own tobacco smoke and blow it into their own faces. Because, you know, men. <laughs> Chemists began selling chlorine tablets, which went like hotcakes as well. And they would also sell huge amounts of carbolic acid. Both were used to cover curtains and other home furnishings. Even though at this age, only a small proportion of Londoners actually had curtains, uh, let alone windows with glass. <laughs> so, uh, this is how we got the big wigs to play ball. Parliament, as you all know, just like today, is a bunch of morons who were too proud to acknowledge quite literally the piles of human shit growing at their door. The building they met in was adjacent to the rivers, and sometimes they would walk through the front doors next to piled up raw feces, and whatever horrid things would also be washed up the night before. They literally had to step out of the way of the problem to continue ignoring it. They had their blinds and windows soaked in a constant coating of lime, but the smell seeped into the walls and into the very foundation. So instead of proposing a fix to the river, they talked about moving their meeting space across the city. So while the people of London suffered, these jackasses spent all their time debating on who was responsible for keeping the river clean and how, well, it's not my job, and this goes back and forth. So then they're like, well, while we try to figure out who to blame, we should just move somewhere else. So <laughs> Lord John Manor, a key member of the conservative government, slated that Her Majesty's government has nothing whatsoever to do with the state of Thames. Even though at one point, the Prime Minister himself had to flee a committee room in the middle of a session, pressing a handkerchief to his face while stumbling about in dry heaving. According to official records, Victoria, as in uh, the Queen, and husband Albert planned on taking a leisurely cruise down Thames to, I don't know, gawk at poor people, probably. But even though she came equipped with a scented handkerchief and kept this pressed to her face, Victoria could only bear to be on the river for a measly few minutes. Almost as soon as the boat departed on the cruise, she ordered it to turn around and for her staff to take her back to Buckingham Palace. And even though the royal family could have lent a few of their gems to help cover the cost, the dragon-hoarding grip that they had on their precious riches wouldn't be budged, even as they themselves ran from their stench. So the rich bigwigs continued arguing as the stench grew worse and the stummer grew hotter. Unfortunately, they were not all just tossed into the river like their fellow heaps of shit. But uh, instead, they tried to place the responsibility on the Metropolitan Commissioner of Sewers, but never actually gave them any money. And the organization had no means of raising the nearly even close to the appropriate amount that they would need to start this. The massive river pollution became more than just a problem in London, and it easily grew to a national crisis. Citizens across all of Britain were well aware of the issue at hand, since other cities were beginning to have similar issues. Archivist journals state that Glasgow was probably, possibly, the filthiest and unhealthiest of all British towns, where it was predicted that 50% of children would never reach the age of five. This eventually made the Prime Minister get off his ass and be like, okay, alright, we should probably do something. <laughs> so, so what do we do? So for another solid month, city officials dumped anywhere from 200 to 250 tons of lime chloride directly into the river. So, you know, just 
more chemicals. And this did exactly what you expect. And that was <laughs> turn the sewage river into a boiling pot of noxious and harmful gases. When you mix all of like waste and you mix it with lime chloride, you're basically getting mustard gas. Like, <laughs> so apart from making things much worse, it ended up costing more money as thousands of laborers would be needed to be employed to do the job, as well as to spread the lime out when the river's tide went low and left chemicals all over the place. So this cost about 180 pounds a day, which to today's standards is the equivalent to 10,000 pounds. The Prime Minister, realizing just how fucked they were, listened to a proposed plan by master engineers that would require three million pounds and said, hey, we'll just add extra house taxes and make the citizens pay us back over the next 40 years. Because again, the royal fucks just couldn't be bothered to help out. But this plan, all the same, still pretty incredible. Originally led by Chief Engineer Frank Foster, he began to develop a more systematic plans for the city sewers. However, the massive stress of this seemingly impossible position was too much for Foster, and he died in 1852, and it was led to believe that he died from literal stress and exhaustion. It was then taken over and led by former railroad industry consultant and now chief engineer Joseph Bazalget, a real the king is dead long live the king moment of hand changing. It would add an extra 1,100 miles of sewer piping, leading to another 82 miles of main sewer draining, all going through and out of the city. They used high-quality cement, the latest technology of piping design, and everything was crafted in a way that gravity would do most of the work. The project went one and a half billion pounds over budget, but like, your city is quite literally sinking in its own filth and feces, you just have to say whatever we gotta we gotta do it money can't be an option uh this became one of the most expensive projects to ever be worked on in the entirety of europe it would take years and thousands of workers but when it was finished the marvel of its time rendered immediate benefits naturally king charles watched waltzed in like he did fuck all and was first to activate the engines there was celebration and this was followed by a dinner of 500 royalty members because you know, we're not going to have any of the common people who actually suffered or any of the laborers who actually did anything. We're just going to have people in, you know, suits congratulate each other. All the same, the stench was flushed away. The river was able to be worked on and the work actually mattered. People stopped getting sick with very preventable diseases. Parliament was so impressed with Joseph Basquiat that they thought about giving him a £6,000 bonus, which would have been the same as three years worth of his salary. But instead, they just said, nah, we'll give him a knighthood. So, yay, he gets to be Sir Basil Get and not get the money. But the press loved him, and they would often tell of his deeds in heroic, almost epic presentation, with positive cartoon depictions and illustrations of the man as the noble sewer snake. Which, I, they meant well, alright? But I'm just saying, I don't know if I'd want to be called a sewer snake, <laughs> but... Either way, it's estimated still today that this new system prolonged the lifespan of Londoners by 20 years. And having incredible foresight, the sewage system was built to last and would be sustainable for a massive boost in population, which did happen in 1890, when 2 million people were living there, and thankfully the system was built for accommodating easily twice that amount. When 
now Sir Joseph Bazalgette died in March 1891, his obituary in the Illustrated London News sang his praises by stating, Two great titles to fame are that he beautified London and drained it. <laughs> today his system is buried beneath new ones, but the embankments along the side of the Thames are still here today. The Chelsea Embankment, the Albert Embankment, and the Victoria Embankment were all built up to provide better drainage for his low-level sewers. They also had additional benefits of providing Londoners with new green spaces and riverside walkways, making the city greener and more livable. The Institution of Civil Engineers also built a monument at the Victoria Embankment in 1901. And as his obituary in the Times noted more than a hundred years ago, it says, Come to London a thousand years hence, the magnificent solidity and the faultless symmetry of the great granite blocks which form the wall of the Thames Embankment will still remain. And indeed, they still do. Thames River is considered very clean by modern standards and is now home to 125 different kinds of fish and 400 species of invertebrates. Even though <laughs> 39 million tons of human waste is still estimated to be flushed through the river every year, and people who go swimming in the river are expected to get a visit from the Thames tummy virus that'll have them cramping with fever, everybody's pretty proud of it. Uh, the, the River Thames is considered a huge tourist spot, a beautiful must-see for anyone in the area that crosses. There are cruises for relaxation, dinner on the water, and tea time. You can also book speedboat tours for about 70 bucks, and there's even a Harry Potter guided tour that includes the river in its walk. It's all incredibly affordable, and when you look up travel guides, it sounds like a great time, but now we all have this cursed knowledge, and we know what lurks beneath in those dirty, dirty river waves. Alright guys, that's all I got this week. I hope you enjoyed this as much as one can. Um, be sure to follow me on Instagram, even though the only people listening to me already are. And, uh, alright. I'll see you next week.